be better to you than you've been to yourself. You would not have been amen again. Amen. Now, nothing's changed uh, as far as I know uh, since going to the Memphis School of Preaching. Uh, besides, maybe my knowledge in God's word has increased, but so has my faith in God. Amen. I cannot jump into this lesson without giving God the glory, honor, thanks, and praise. And also giving this congregation my thanks for supporting me during my time in Memphis. Thank you all so much for your support, your financial help, the letters of encouragement, the text messages, everything that you've done. It was truly helpful and needed. It was very needed. But without further ado, I don't want to hold you too long. Uh, as you know, I, I went to college for two years, and I came back, and I didn't grow any. <laughs> I still stand at five, four and a half, five, and a half. Uh, five, five with my shoes on. And I say that because no matter how long I preach, I will always be considered a short preacher. <laughs> so if you have a copy of God's Word, I would love for you to meet me in the 23rd Psalm. And now if you are a member of the Lord's Church, or even if you just know someone in the Lord's Church, if you've been a part or around the Lord's Church, for a little over two weeks, uh, you've probably heard of this verse or have somewhat uh, read it, or you may be even able to quote it. Uh, most of us could probably quote this verse without even turning to it. Uh, but this morning, I would like to do what they call an expository of the text. And that's simply we're going to uh, stay within the text and bring out some lessons uh, that the Bible can teach us. We know according to Romans 15, 4, those things which were written aforetime were written for our learning. So we know that the Old Testament, though we may not live by it, there are some things we can learn from it. And so this morning, for a few moments of your time, I just want to speak on some lessons we can learn while in the valleys of life. So lessons we can learn while in the valleys of life. And I kind of want to look at who wrote the psalm and, and why he may have written it. Before we get into the psalm, let's look at who is writing this psalm. This is David. This is King David, uh, David, a man after God's own heart. David who defeated Goliath. David who was once a shepherd boy and tended to his father's sheep. Uh, this is David writing this psalm. And in the 23rd Psalm, he writes these powerful words. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now this morning, I just want to park in verse 4 and sort of uh, look at this text. And what we'll do is called a word study. It's where uh, when you're studying God's word and, and you're not looking for the amount of verses you can read in, in an hour. It's where you take maybe one verse and you just go through word by word. Let's look at verse 4. David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so in verse 4, I want to just look at some lessons we can learn while in the valley of life. The first word, first two words, he says, yea, though. Let's look at that word, yea, though. Now keep in mind, this is King David writing. 
This is a king. So think about it. A king is someone who probably doesn't have want for anything. A king is somebody, if they go uh, walk into the refrigerator, they know food is going to be there. They don't even have to get up out of bed to get anything. They can send for the servants. A king is someone who has uh, arrayed in some of the finest clothes, has gold galore, uh, probably lives in a mansion, per se. We could say that as a king. So if, if David, we know being a king, why is he saying that he has to go through some valleys? So you're telling me that even as a king, David, you still have to go through some valleys? He says, yea, though, even though I'm a king, even though you may think I have it all, even though I'm a man after God's own heart, even though you may consider me uh, one of the fathers of faith or somebody who's in the faith hall of fame, I still have to go through some valleys. He says, even though, that lets me know that if David, King David, uh, shepherd boy David, uh, giant slayer David, uh, a man after God's own heart, David, if he had to go through some valleys, I'm going to have to go through some valleys. You see, it, it doesn't matter because I call myself a student of the gospel, call myself went to preaching school, call myself want to devote my life to God, I'm still going to have to go through some valleys. It doesn't matter how loud I sing, how many verses I can quote, how many Sunday services I attend, how many Wednesday nights Bible studies I attend, how many gospel meetings I go through or two, I'm still after going to go through some valleys. Amen. He says, even though, Yea, though, and I love this word, he says, I walk. Now, I'm under the impression that if I was in a valley, surrounded by death, if I'm in a valley filled with death, I mean, everything looked like it could kill me. I'm looking at the bushes, the bushes are rattling, I'm looking at some shadows, and it looked like some monsters are coming after me. I don't think I'd be walking. <laughs> David says, I'm in a valley filled with the shadow of death. He says, but I walk. Well, David, how are you able to walk? Because David knows who's with him. You see, when you know who God is and what he's capable of doing, you don't have to be afraid and take off running. David says, I'm going to walk because when you know who God is and what he's able to do, you don't care about your surroundings. Amen. David says, I walk. And here's some lessons I learned about walking in life. You see, I'm the type that I have that microwave mentality. We, we spoke about that earlier this morning. You see, I, I want things to happen on my timetable. I pray to God about it, and I, I try to give it over to him, but sometimes I find myself going and getting it back. Sometimes I, I pray about it, and, and I say I'm going to leave it in God's hand, but sometimes I find myself, God, did you hear me? Uh, 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 God, are you sure you're working on it? Uh, uh, God, when is it going to come? I find myself rushing through life. I was the type that, that, that tried to compare my life with the lives of others. Uh, one of the brothers spoke about it this morning. He says, we're in chapter 2, but we like to compare ourselves to people who are on chapter 33 or, 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 or farther chapters than we are. And so here I am. Let's say I was at age 19. And I remember comparing my life to my pops. My pops, who at the time was about age 70, maybe 72 at the time. And I'm trying to compare my 19-year-old life to the life of a man who's been in the gospel I don't know how long. And I'm trying to figure out why my life isn't as blessed as his. And so I'm thinking, am I not praying hard enough? Am I, am I not in God's word enough? Am, am I stressing too much? What is going on? Why isn't my life taking off like I expected to? David says walk. 
If I could speak to anyone, I would love to use this word walk and talk to my young people at this time. Don't rush through life. Take your time and enjoy life. And if you're still under the age of 18, I really want you to walk. I really want you to walk because you're going to miss some things once you graduate, once you get, get to college, or even when you get out of college and you get out of mom's and dad's house. It's this thing called insurance. And they got something uh, uh, about insurance for everything. They got life insurance. They got death insurance. They got car insurance. They even got boat and house insurance. Got renter's insurance if you don't want a house and you want to do an apartment. And then let's say you want to buy a cell phone. They got cell phone insurance. And on top of all that, uh, I don't care what you do, you got to pay some type of insurance. Olivia and I decided that uh, as we would take the offer and go to Texas, and so you know we got to rent a U-Haul. They have insurance on that too. And I said, what don't they have insurance on? And all I hear when I hear the word insurance is money. And you got to pay this, you got to pay that. And on top of that, you just say, well, I don't want insurance. Well, you still got to have health insurance. You got to have dental insurance. You got to have eye insurance. I'm just tired of hearing the word insurance. So young people, enjoy it while you have it. If you know mom and dad is taking care of everything, it's okay. Obey them just for now. Listen to what they got to say, because there's going to come a time when you got to pay all these insurances. And you're going to have to try to figure out where to get, get the money to pay all these insurances. So take your time and walk. Don't be in such a rush to grow up and get out of the house. That was my problem. I wanted to leave my mom's house because I couldn't take all the rules that she was putting down. I was in such a rush to get out. My pop sat me down and asked me one question. He said, how much money you got in your account? And you know, I thought I was doing good. I told him how much I He laughed. He laughed when I, I, mean, I had been saving for six years. And he laughed at my little change that I had saved up. He said, okay, that's enough. Maybe get you a car. Maybe even get you an apartment. Uh, put a little down payment on. He said, but where are you going to get the furniture from? All right, after you get through with the furniture, how are you going to make the payments? All right, after you get through with the payments, then he mentioned that insurance. I, and I started thinking, maybe I don't have enough. Maybe I do need to stay home just a little bit longer. <laughs> maybe I need to be more thankful that my mom is, is choosing to take care of me and, and allowing me to stay with her while I get myself on my feet. I had to rearrange my thinking because I was in such a rush just trying to get out of the house, just trying to grow up and live fast. David said, walk. You know what else I learned in life? See, when you're running, it's easy to trip and fall. But when you take your time and walk, you can step over a few things. You can watch out for a couple potholes. I remember coming home from Memphis one time, and this was like my second month in school. So I was rushing to get home because I was missing family. Now, keep in mind, the speed limit is about 70. I was going about 80. And, and when nobody was looking, I was trying to hit 85. And I remember coming around the curve as I'm, as I'm coming out of Memphis. I think I had got into like Birmingham. I'm in Alabama. And I don't know if y'all noticed, but Alabama have a lot of deer. A lot of deer and no street lights. I've never understood how you could have so much wildlife and no street lights to let me see the wildlife. So I'm coming around a corner, and I had to be hitting about 80 to 85. And I'm, as I'm coming around this corner, a deer comes out. And I almost hit it. And I'm thinking to myself, had I been going the speed limit, would I have had enough time to slow down, even if the deer had jumped out? But because I was going too fast, I almost not only ended the deer's life, but my own life. And so it made me realize that in life, sometimes we need to just slow down, just walk. 
I know the valley may seem hard. I know life isn't going as fast as you want it to go. And here's another advice I gotta give. Come on. Maybe it's not going as fast because you keep comparing it to the wrong people. I was looking at my own life trying to figure out, well, why is so-and-so married? Why so-and-so has this nice house? Why does so-and-so has this nice car? Oh, how did so-and-so get blessed with that good job? Am I not faithful to you, God? Why can't I get these good job offers? Here I am putting in application after application after application. But it could have just been God was saying, I don't want you to work in that field. Maybe I want you doing something more useful for my kingdom. On, don't man. compare yourself to uh, people of the world. Uh, yeah, they may have their riches. Yeah, they may have their rewards here on this earth. Right. But your rewards are stored up in heaven. Right. You see, this world is not my home. Right. I'm just a passenger. And you see, my treasures, while I may not get them here, some of them I do get and just don't count them, while while I may not see him here, I'm guaranteed to see him in the next life. So I had to stop comparing my life to the lives of others and realize Tobias, just slow down. Slow down and walk. Take your time. Stop trying to rush it. And so it was, it was when COVID first broke out, I was telling Brother May about this. And, and I was trying to figure out what's the next move. Because when COVID broke out, everything shut down. The jobs were shutting down, schools were shutting down, and I remember uh, being in the lobby with a woman, and I, I don't know her name, it was just a, a woman that I had met, and, and we began talking. And you know, when, when, when God is in you, a lot of times in your just your everyday conversation, he tends to come out. And so somehow we got to talking about the Bible. And I, and I was giving her some advice on what I knew, and she talked to me, she said, uh, you sound like you're a preacher. She said, are you a preacher? I said, well, sort of. She said, have you been to uh, school? And I said, no, ma'am. And she asked me one question that, that, that hit me. It, it hit me hard. She said, why not? And I couldn't give her a good answer. Why, why, why haven't I been to school yet? Because I had allowed uh, the, the cares of this world. I had allowed worldly things to keep hindering me, setting me back, stopping me from pursuing what I had always dreamed of doing, what I had always wanted to do anyway, but I kept making excuses. Oh, I'll do it next year. Oh, well, I got to focus on paying this off. Oh, I, I got to see if I can get this job. Oh, let me finish my secular college first. And so when she, when she asked me that question, I said, what is holding me back? And I remember calling up to the school. I said, are y'all still open? Because everything else was closed down. She said, yes, we're still open. I said, no, I don't mean online. I don't want any online classes. If I'm going to do the school, I'm going to do it in person, and I'm going to do it for real. I said, are y'all open? She said, yes. I called her Tuesday. She sent me the application. I got accepted Thursday. Quit my job Friday and drove up to Memphis Saturday, and I stayed the whole two years. And it's amazing that when I went to Memphis and just started focusing on school, nothing else. I wasn't trying to focus on finding the right woman. I wasn't trying to focus on getting the right job. I wasn't trying to focus on driving the right car, wearing the nice suit. I was just trying to focus on school. And as you can see, within two years, not only did I graduate, but now I have a congregation which wants to hire me as an intern so that I can preach God's word. On top of that, I have a beautiful wife. It's as if God was saying to Bodies to slow down. I got you. David said, I won't. But look at the next word. I walk through. He's in a valley. A valley isn't something that's peaceful. A valley isn't something that's, that's sunshine and rainbows. A valley is usually deep, 
and it's dark and it's long. But he says, I'm not in the valley. I'm going through it. As Christians, it's important that we have the mindset that we are not in trouble. We're just going through some trouble. I am not in danger. I just might be going through some danger. I'm not in a bad relationship. I just might be going through some things. And so the purpose of being in something is when you're in it, you're stuck. But we're not stuck when we have God on our side. Romans 8.31, for if God be for us, who then can be against us? And so he says, I walk through the valley. And I'm not going to park in my troubles. Too many times we cry out and we complain, but we're not doing anything to get out of the situation. We're not doing anything to keep walking with the Lord. Uh, I believe it's 1 John 1, beginning at verse 9. No, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one toward another and with God. And the blood of his dear son Jesus cleanses us, not from sun unrighteousness, but all unrighteousness. The problem is, though, if I'm in the light, I can't be parked. I can't be sitting. I can't be doing anything or sitting around somewhere moping with my hands folded. I need to walk. David says, I'm walking through. And here's another thing I learned in life. See, when you find yourself in something, or when you find yourself going through something, sometimes what you go through can rub off on you. Sometimes what you find yourself going through in life can end up, if you have the wrong mindset about it, it can, it can end up changing who you are. Give you a good example. Just because you go through some mess, doesn't mean you have to be messy. Amen. Just because you've been lied to, doesn't mean you have to be a liar. Yeah. Just because you've been cheated on, doesn't mean you have to be a cheater. Amen. Hear me, young people. Just because you've been disrespected, doesn't mean you have to be disrespectful. Amen. David says, I'm going through it. But when I come out, think about it. I'm not going to be miserable. I'm not going to blame God for it. I'm not going to blame everybody else for why my life isn't the way I want it to be. He says, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And in the latter part, he says, there's some comfort in it too. What I'm saying is, just because you go through some hardships, don't allow it to make you hard. I've said this before, but, but our valleys uh, shouldn't make us bitter. They should make us better. Amen. Our valleys shouldn't bring stress, but they should make us strong. When you're going through valleys in life, when you're going through hard times, when you're going through letdowns, when, you, when you're going through loss of loved ones, anything you can call discomforting, uncomfortable, something that disrupts your peace, something that shakes your world, something you don't like, but you know deep down, maybe I need this in my life because as long as I'm stuck in this valley, I'll be miserable. But if I depend on God to help get me through, I can see him in a whole nother light. Amen. Did you know that every time we go through hardship, we can see God in a different light? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brother Leonard, Brother Wesley T. Leonard talked about how in his ups and downs in life, uh, he, he learns more about God in the downs than he does in the highs. Yeah. So that means I can learn more about God while I'm in the valley than I can when I'm on the mountains. He would go on to mention how uh, he, he ended up having a stroke. Uh, he would talk about how he lost a job. He would talk about how he lost his mother. He said, I didn't know how much of a healer God was until I had my stroke. 
He says, I didn't know how much a provider God was until I lost my job. He says, I didn't know how much of a comforter God was until I lost my mother. You see, it's while we're in our valleys that we can see more of the characteristics of God. And we can understand that our help doesn't come from me. My help doesn't come from my job. My help doesn't come from mom and dad. My help comes from the Lord. Amen. Psalms 121, 1 and 2, who made the heavens and the earth. It's in our valleys that we're able to see God for who he truly is. He says, I walk through the valley, and I like this. Not the valley of death itself. I'm not staring death right in the face. He said, but the shadow of it. The shadow of death. I don't know about you. I've never been in a valley. I've never been in, a, in an actual valley. But if you take the V off, it spells avenue. I've been in an alley. <laughs> and I've been in an alley at night. And let me tell you, I wasn't walking. <laughs> Because when you're walking through an alley, there are these shadows. Okay, you could, somebody could be coming behind you, and, and they don't even have to be that close to you. You see that shadow, you're going to take off running. When I was younger, I used, to, I, used to, uh, I used to be afraid of spiders. That was my thing. And not that I was really afraid of them, I just didn't want them to touch them. I, I thought to myself, uh, nothing should have that many legs. It was just unnatural to me. I don't like the way they move. Their teeth are too small for their bodies. It's just weird, and I don't want to touch it. So I didn't like spiders. I had a, had a huge fear of spiders when I was younger. And I would be, remember being at my grandmother's house, and my grandmother lived out in Box Springs. Now, y'all know Box Springs, Georgia, is country. And in fact, they don't have a Walmart, Brother Nate. In fact, we just got a Dollar General about four years ago. That's how country it is. No stoplights, one post office. Yeah, just stop signs. And, and, and if you move too fast, if you blink, you'll miss it. And so I remember being out in the country at my grandmother's house. And, and, and in the country, there are lots of woods. Woods attract spiders, not the little ones, the big ones. The big brown ones with the big legs. I remember going into my grandmother's room to get something. And my grandmother didn't have the lights on the ceiling. She had these lamps that you would sit down on the table or, or the nightstand. And the lamps would give room, give light to the different rooms. So I remember going into her room to get something, and the light was by the door. So I passed the door to go grab whatever it is I was trying to grab, and on the wall, I saw the shadow of a spider. Now, the spider was, was coming down on the web according to the shadow. I didn't see the spider. I just saw the shadow of it. And from the shadow of this spider, it looked big. I mean, it, it looked bigger than my hand. And I got a little hands, so it's a little bigger than, let's say, a grown man's hand. Now, I'm terrified. I couldn't have been no more than about six or seven, maybe eight or nine. Uh, and I see the shadow of this spider, and all I know is I need to run. I need to get out of this room, because if that thing is as big as the shadow is making it look, I don't know what's going to happen if it gets on me. So in my fear, I panic, and I, I'm beginning to panic, and I jet for the door. But as I turn around to walk out of the door, guess what I see? This spider so little that I could have easily crushed it between the two fingers of my hand. But because it was on the light so close to the lamp, the shadow of it made it look more fierce, more dangerous, more scary than it actually was. What are you trying to say, Brother Hatchet? 
You see, sometime in life, you begin to panic, you're fretting, you're worried, you don't know what to do, and you think that you're face to face with something dangerous when you're just staring at the shadow. You think that you're face to face with death when you're just staring at the shadow. In other words, it's not as big or as bad as you think it might seem. But because we let doubt creep in, because we let fear creep in, because we let worry set, we, sing, we tend to look at our problems and they look bigger than what they are. But if you realize how big your God was, it wouldn't matter what problem you're going through. There is no problem bigger than the God we serve. But sometimes the shadow of that problem can look so big that it blocks out our view of how big God is. Jesus would say that I am the light of the world. Do you know what light does? It casts out darkness. Light has a way of when you shine the light on it, it gets rid of the darkness. And that's all shadows are. It's just darkness. But when you put your faith and trust in the light, the light of the world, and you start serving and magnifying God, even in the midst of your darkness, yes, even in the midst of your valleys, yes, sir. those shadows won't seem so scary. Amen. He says, I will fear no evil. Why, David? For thou art with me. Now, I thought about this verse, and I thought about we shouldn't be afraid because we know God is with us, but sometimes we tend to forget. Sometimes that doesn't seem like enough. And though it should be enough, the Bible has this way of, of giving us more, more hope, more securities, more strength. So I, I, I said that I wanted to bring in some helping verses. Now, usually when you do an exegesis of a text, you just stay within that text. And that's usually what I do if I'm reading the 23rd Psalm. I try not to go to any outside uh, text or any outside scriptures. But I just want to magnify the point. When God says he's with you, he's with you. Okay, so for one, I want to turn to Psalms 124. Psalms 124 in verse 1. I also want to look at Matthew 28, and we'll turn to each one. I want to look at Romans 8.14, and then Matthew 18, and then we'll come back to our text. So I want you to see this. In Psalms 124... Psalms 124 and verse 1, the Bible says, If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. So this lets me know God is on my side. Amen. Number two, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse number 20. So I know God the Father, the Lord, is on my side. I got God on one side of me. Let's look at where Jesus is. In Matthew 28, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Uh, beginning in verse 20, he says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am where? I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So I got the Lord on my side. I got Jesus with me. I, I wonder if, if I got somebody else with me. Let's look at what the Holy Spirit is doing. Y'all mind? Okay, let's go to the next one. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 14. The Bible says, For as many as are led by who? The Spirit of God. Here's a question. What does somebody have to be in order to lead you? Can somebody lead you if they're behind you? 
I believe in order to lead me, somebody needs to be in front of me, correct? So God is with me on one side. Jesus is with me on one side. The Holy Spirit is leading me, so he's in front of me. Uh, but I, I wonder where else do I have some protection. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 20. Matthew chapter 18, not 20, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 18, we'll look at verse 10. It says, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. Who are the little ones he's talking about? His sheep. For I say unto you that in heaven there are what? Their angels do always behold the face of my father, which is where? Where is heaven? I got God on one side. Jesus on another side. I got the Holy Spirit in front of me, and above me I have angels. But that leaves one side. Who's watching my back? Let's go back to our text of Psalm 23. In Psalms 23, David says in verse 6, For surely goodness and mercy shall do what? When you follow somebody, where are you? I got God on one side. I got Jesus on one side. I got the Holy Spirit leading me. I got the angels watching over me. And behind me, goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life. Now, I'm trying to figure out, what do I have to be afraid of? Why can't I go through life and, and, and be confident that God is going to take care of me? And he's giving me scriptures to prove it. And he's telling me that even if you fail to see me, can you look over and see my son? If you fail to look at the cross, can you look forward and see the spirit? If you fail to see him, just look up, son. I got you. And even if you turn around, I got goodness and mercy following me. I have no reason as a child of God to be afraid of anything. So what? They want to fire me from that job. I didn't want to work that job. <laughs> So, so what that, that spouse is threatening to leave me? He wasn't no good, no way. Think about it. I mean, we fear some of the craziest scenarios. The what if, the what if. Don't worry about the what if. Worry about the who. Who has your back? Who has your front? Who has your side? Who's watching over you? David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil because God is with me. And not only that, there's two more things. He says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, a rod, when, when used by a shepherd, in biblical times, the shepherd would have two tools. He had his rod and he had his staff. Now, the rod was this, this, this long pole. It wasn't even that long. It was just something used for discipline and something also used for, correct, uh, for uh, defense. So he could use his rod to fight off, let's say one of the wolves wanted to come eat the sheep. He could use that rod to sort of hit at the wolves, scare them off. But every now and then, the sheep would get a little hard-headed. Every now and then, the sheep would, would keep straying off the path as the shepherd would try to lead. And sometimes you could take the sheep and you could bring them back. But every now and then, he'd go off again. Shepherd could bring him back, he'd go off again. This is what you call one of those stubborn sheep, one of those hard-headed sheep. So God had this rod that sometimes if they kept stepping out of line, 
he had to use that rod to be some sense into it. Now, many of us in here, we look like we came up with some good moms. Some moms that didn't take no mess or some daddies that didn't play the radio. So most of us in here know what the Bible means when it says, do not spare the rod. Or we know that old saying, spare the rod, spoil the child. So we know what a rod is used for. But he also had this staff. Now this wasn't just one of those sticks we see when we think about, uh, let's say, Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, or, or uh, Moses parting the Red Sea. You see, this staff had a hook on the end. And so if at any time the sheep was in danger of falling off the cliff or in danger because he fell into a hole, he could take that staff and he could wrap it around the sheep and pull it back to safety. Why am I saying this? David said the rod and the staff gave him comfort. I can kind of see how the staff could give you comfort because the staff keeps me in line even when I don't know what's good for me and I keep thinking, well, God, I got it this time. Let me handle it from here. And I, I start getting the big head and walk off the path. God can just bring me back in. But I've never understood until now how a rod could give somebody comfort. When I was a child and I saw mama scrap, it didn't give me comfort. I have never in my life gotten a whooping and looked back and said, thank you, mama, for whooping. And it's not going to happen. I can tell you that right now. And, if, and if, if, if you grew up like I did, my mom was old school. So when she whooped you, she didn't just tell you to stand there. But she take her hand and she grab you around the arm. So no matter how much you tried to leave, you wouldn't get nowhere but, but what she had you. But here's what I learned. As long as mama held me, even though she was whooping me, she never took her hand off me. As a child of God, even though God has to discipline me with that rod sometimes, this lets me know that even though he's disciplined me, even though he's giving me a whooping, he still got his hand And as long as God's hand is on my life, I know that no matter what I'm going through, no matter how many times I sin or I fall, I still have a redemption. I still have availability to come back because his hand has never left me. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 6, the Bible lets me know that God deals with us. He deals with his children as dear sons. He disciplined those who he loves. As long as God has disciplined me for the wrong that I'm doing, I know that he loves me. Amen. David says, I find comfort in the fact that God, you discipline me when I step out of line. Because I know that even though I don't like it, I know you still love me. That's right. And you still got your hand on me. Come on. He says, I find comfort in his rod and in his staff. He said, they bring me comfort. It's amazing how all of those lessons can come from one verse. From one song. But I love how he started it off. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Yes, One of the brothers talked about how he had a long flight. He had about a six-hour flight. And he had to go from one state to another. And he decided, uh, this was a brother who was going to preach when he got to the other state. He decided, I'm going to go over my sermon while I'm on this plane. You know. Six to four, uh, four to six hours. It's a long time, so I'll just go over my sermon. He says he started reading his Bible and he got to Psalm 23 and said, The Lord is. 
said from the time he started his flight to the time he reached his destination, he couldn't get past who the Lord is. Why is that? Because the Lord is whatever we need him to be. David would say the Lord is my shepherd. The psalmist would say the Lord is my shield. The Lord is my strong tower. The Lord is my buckler. The Lord is my rock. What is God to you? Says for six hours, I couldn't get past the Lord is. And that's just one verse from the book of Psalms. Now I have a question for you. How can the Lord be your shepherd if you're not following him? John chapter 10, beginning in verse 26, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. What do they do, John? They follow after me. He says, I, I, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man be able to pluck them from my hand. Now, how can you say the Lord is your shepherd if you're not one of his sheep? Because if you were his sheep, you would believe the things he's told you, and you would follow after him. How do we follow after Jesus? How do we follow after God? Number one, we have to hear his word. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Then not only must I hear his word and believe it, I must be willing to repent of my sins. Luke 13 and 3 says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. After hearing God's word, believing in it, and being willing to repent of my sin, the word repent just means a change of heart that leads to a change of life. That means instead of going my way, God, I'm going to try it your way. I'm going to stop being that stubborn sheep, that hard-headed goat, and I'm going to follow after you. That's what repentance is. After being willing to hear his word, believe his word, repent of your sins, are you willing to confess God before men? Matthew 10, 32 and 33. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. After confessing, are you willing to go down in the watery grave of baptism? For, not because of, for the remission of sins. Acts 2, 38. And after that, it's not over. So usually we believe in the five steps. You know what I learned? That's a sixth step. Amen. Revelation 2.10 says, Be thou faithful unto what? Even unto death. Now David talked about the shadow of death. Revelation talks about actual death. That means even if, even if, now I know I talked about these shadows, but let's just say even if I had to stare death in the face, I'll still be faithful unto God. If you're not a child of God, I plead with you this morning, won't you be one? Won't you be one of his sheep so that you can say what David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And even when I step out of line, I have confidence that he can pull me back, that he'll discipline me because he loves me. We learned so much from David. But did you know, David was a man after God's own heart, meaning he obeyed the commandments of the Lord. And if you don't obey the commandments of the Lord, you can't say the Lord is your shepherd. But if you know that God is your shepherd, you've obeyed the gospel, but you've allowed your valleys to sort of make you bitter. You've allowed your valleys to make you hard because you've been through hard times. You've, you've allowed your valleys to sort of make you angry. And, and you're taking your frustration out on the church. You're taking your frustration out on your parents. You're taking your frustration out on God himself. Won't you stand up and ask for forgiveness? Ask the brothers to pray for you. Listen, we don't have the ability to forgive sins of itself. We have the ability to forgive you, but not sin. God has that ability. 
it's not up to man whether you're forgiven. We're just taking your prayers to God on your behalf. Yes, Won't you decide that this morning as we together stand and sing? Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. I just want to say thank you.